Welcome back to BC's Path to Universal Childcare podcast. This is episode two. We would like to recognize that this podcast is recorded on the traditional unceded lands of the Coast Salish people, including the Squamish, tsleil and Musqueam nations. In this process of reforming childcare in BC, it is so important to recognize and honor the Indigenous ways of knowing that have nurtured the children of this land from time immemorial. We are so thrilled with the feedback we received from our interview with Minister Chen and are really excited about this episode. In this episode, we're taking a closer look at how BC is taking important steps towards the transition to universal childcare. Without further delay, we are delighted and honoured to introduce today's podcast hosts and guests. Once again, we're thrilled that the always passionate, always brilliant Gita Chud will be our host. Gita comes from a family that have always been very involved in volunteerism and various community initiatives with a social justice and equity focus. And she demonstrates this daily by her work on numerous not-for-profit boards and committees in Vancouver that support children, educators and families. Our second podcast guests are Emily Golick, Executive Director, and Sue Irwin, Interim Director of Programs from ECEBC, um, also known as the Early Childhood Educators of BC. Hi, thanks for having us, Crystal. Hi, thank dear you, Emily nice and Sue. Welcome to our podcast, and thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We're really excited to have you with us, and we know you have a lot to share and to say on this topic. So without further ado, let's get into it. Our first question, can you please provide those who are listening and may not be that familiar with ECEBC, offering a brief overview of what ECBC is and who you represent in the early learning sector? Oh, great question. Thanks, Gita. And um and thank you for having Sue and myself here today. We want to start by just acknowledging that we both are, are acknowledging both our privilege and paying the respect as uninvited settlers to, to be here living, working, talking with, playing on the unceded territories of the Cape Coast Salish peoples. And so I, I know I do that on behalf of myself and of Sue. Um, good question. So we have had a long history. Our organization, the Early Childhood Educators of British Columbia, have been around for over 50 years now. And in, in, uh, in uh, 2019, we celebrated our 50-year anniversary. And it always has been. This organization was built on um, really strong leaders and passionate advocates for for the people that work with young children. And it was a place, and and in this space, there was a place for the profession to come together, to support one another, and to elevate practices and professionalism. And so we represent all early childhood educators throughout the province in the diverse early years field. So this is a journey to bring forward the value of the work of early childhood education with individual membership, that aims to uplift educators' professionalism, education, and value overall. 
And we do this strategically. We commit our time and resources to educating the sector and the community by investigating and promoting the development of a strong public policies and best practices that are based on research and ev evidence. Because we do envision a society where early childhood educators will be able to thrive in a supportive community that values childhood and education. And I can just add, Emily, um, and, you know, being amongst colleagues and friends here, we've all seen the evolution of ECEBC, and it's so exciting. Um, you know, we, Emily and I and the team believe strongly in co-leading and collaboration and journeying together. And I took a moment just to peek at the uh, recent member highlights that we've done on our social media posts. And it's just so beautiful. It almost gives you goosebumps. You hear things from a member in very rural North community saying that the reason she's a member is it gives her a sense of belonging. And, you know, some other highlights that came through is being a voice, um, evolving together, dedication and passion. You know, these are all things that members, ECEs out in very diverse communities are telling us of why they're part of our organization. So it just it's pretty heartwarming to hear that. Um, and we are living that with them. So it's a real honor. Thanks so much, dear Emily and Sue, for uh, helping us learn more deeply about the foundation of ECEBC and uh, the role it plays throughout the province and as well, Sue, adding feedback you have from members. Our second question, many of us are very well aware of the challenges in the childcare workforce. From ECEBC's perspective, what do you see as the most pressing issues that educators are facing now? Well, that's another great question. Um, there, there seems to be some trends for sure. Um, trends that probably some of them have been going on for many, many generations, but have been really highlighted um, as within the last couple of years. So the recruitment and retention issues are probably the things that we hear as being the, the biggest challenges, from, mostly from our membership, um, which also represents inconsistent pay ranges across BC as being a big issue. And then um, with the, the beginnings of the pandemic and where we are now, um, just working within the co complexities of having to work during a pandemic have really rise to the forefront of what our membership is bringing to us as being um, some of the biggest challenges. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, Gita, um, you know, during the pandemic, it was a time when we really saw this rise of resilience and dedication and togetherness. Um, and so it made Emily and I and the team really start to talk about within the complexities as our pedagogist, our new pedagogist is teaching us to rumble with within these complexities, there's also a lot of joy and growth. And so I just wanted to note that, you know, the ECE profession in BC is something that we could all be so proud of. Um, you know, there's that value and importance. There's the growth of our pedagogy. Um, and it's just really profound that day to day we are impacting children and families' lives in a positive, ethical way. Uh, and I just wanted to highlight also, we hear from members, they're sharing all these stories about um, during such a hard time and during these challenges of retention, 
pay, et cetera. There's also, they want the um, society to know the joy in their field and the passion in their field and the importance in their field. And so we really land on that value um, in midst of the complexities. Also wonderfully said, you've given me goosebumps that despite all the challenges, certainly of the pandemic and, you know, recruitment, retention, larger system related issues, resilience, dedication, joy, togetherness and growth continue to shine through. Thank you so much. We'll move on to our next question. The government has already committed to wage enhancements for the ECEs beginning in 2018. And by March 2022, the total enhancement will be of $4 an hour. What have you heard from your members? Because you're both great at sharing what you're, what you're hearing from members. So what have you heard from your members about this initiative and how it has impacted them? And maybe you'll want to move on to the wage grid as well as the wage enhancements. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have heard lots from from our members that the the two dollar and now the four dollar an hour increase or wage enhancement has had a positive impact in their wages and lives. It's made a a fundamental difference, and um, this this has also um, shown them that also has given them a better quality life, but it also has given them a sense of recognition that government understands that something needs to be done to support them. So that so they're feeling that and they're hearing that and it has made a difference for them. Um, and we also want to recognize the efforts of the BC government and the strides taken in the past few years and the focus regarding wages um, is, is really, really an important one. And I think really needs to be embedded in, in a new system of early care and learning within, in, within BC. And that being said, although the wage enhancement sort of is that indicator that this is an important piece of work, working with the childcare advocates of BC, we are absolutely pushing for a provincial wage grid that it that would be embedded in a child care system that re reflect all certified early childhood educators working in the delivery of child care across this province. So the overall goal is to have stability. Um, and so um, your listeners can look at the pro proposed wage solution on our website. Um, you can find that under under um, under the, the wage grid and other information around the 10 day plan. So I think it speaks to how we want to have that embedded and it becomes part of who we are and how we move forward as a professional body that goes over and above what a wage grid looks like and would be embedded in the work we do. So our work is to support educators, not only for today, but the educators of tomorrow. And I think that's important to remember too. So the board and staff understand, honestly, the difficult road it has been for our profession. And we all have stories of these hardships, right? But we take up the challenge to build a bright future for those working today and for years to come. And that will include educators working in childcare or childcare resource and referral programs, strong starts as instructors in other leadership positions and more because we are so vital to the health to a healthy community. Thanks so much. 
Um, I'm just thinking as you uh, speak and just spoke, Emily, that there's a lot of key R&R words here. There's the whole issue of recruitment and retention, and at the same time, um, the recognition and respect that has come with the wage enhancements, the stability for early childhood educators, and hopefully into the wage grid, which actually Minister Chen spoke very positively about when we were able to have our conversation with her last month. Um, so the wage enhancement is directed to and at early childhood educators, should there be incentives for other categories of workers in the field, like early childhood education assistants and responsible adults? You kind of reference this globally. Maybe we could get a little bit more detailed now in your thoughts about others in our, in our workforce and field. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important question. And um, there are already incentives that we see through the current um, BC government's offerings. So we have the bursary program that early, you know, anybody going into to expand and extend their education can get up to um, four to five thousand dollars per semester. And that can be for anybody going into that program. There's free professional development opportunity. Um, government has developed more ECE spaces in colleges and universities. There's more online options. And they're looking at better ways to access prior education towards ECE certification. Mm -hmm. So these are all pieces of that recruitment and retention plan that are really making a difference. And we believe when we bring in a wage grid that reflects people's education levels and experiences, this would address some of the layers of work of workers in the childcare workforce as well. I can I can also add that a wage grid um, and just echoing. Um, Emily's thoughts on the great incentives that the BC government has started with. And I know, um, you know, it feels slow and, and, but I think that when we all look back the last couple of years, we can really start to see some progress. And so hopefully that keeps, keeps uh, chugging forward with all of our help. Um, I think with the wage grid piece, the, the piece about the future is so important and can't be missed. And so when a wage grid is developed, it continues to evolve. So it doesn't stay static. And so we are embedding something that, you know, the entire everybody, you know, talking today and um, amongst friends and colleagues and community, they know that this will be a foundation that will be built upon and evolved and it will grow. And so for future generations going into this field, um, they will have a baseline to go from instead of, um, you know, the challenges that we have now. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much again for elaborating there, because, you know, for a good long while, things were indeed <clears throat> extremely static. However, with the introduction of the bursary for students who are studying, the increase in spaces at the college post-secondary level, professional development, and all you've said about the wage grid um, evolving over time, that is absolutely going to be a key pillar uh, moving forward.
We know that ECEBC has worked very closely with community partners, government agencies, members and educators to research the current labor market. And there have been many reports published on the current labor market. One of these reports is the evaluation of early care and learning retention and recruitment strategy, which we've referenced. Could you please share some of the findings thus far and the impacts that educators are eager to feel? Oh, of course. Um, you know, like I know you ladies quite well and know that I've been an early childhood educator myself for 30 years. And one of the biggest findings for myself in uh, some of the research that has been done and through this evaluation was was how appreciated and valued early childhood educators are from the families in community. So that really stood out for me because, you know, over the last 30 years, there has been the sense of being felt undervalued by the, even by the people that we're um, supporting by the work that we do. And what, and it really showed up that families were looking at their early childhood educators as being as important as their other children's who are um, children are in the school system as their teachers. And I thought that was a real shift in how I was perceiving it. Um, there was definitely a disconnect from them understanding the education that goes behind the work that we do that we do and um, the wages also. So there, there is still some disconnect, but just that feeling of how valuable educators are to them in, in, in that period of time in their lives was really showed up. We, we, it also indicated um, there's a growing number of students in high school that are really considering moving into the early years as a career choice, like as their first choice, which I thought was fabulous, especially as we're talking about um, the lack of having qualified educators uh, readily available, that maybe there's some work that we could do to engage high school students to say, hey, this is a fabulous career and profession to come into. And so um, um, that that was that came up um, really big. And there was a big focus on the importance of having a system in place. Like we still talk about, you know, we're, we're moving to this, but we don't have that system in place. So this would also address wages, um, benefits and pension issues and all sorts of things. But without that system in place, uh, it, it just won't happen in a, in a most, um, I guess it, in a way that, that is stable and, and builds and builds upon. So we want to ensure that happens. So well said, Emily, as you spoke, I was thinking we often use the phrase a patchwork quilt rather than a system is what we've been, you know, struggling in and with. So great to know that there have been um, these movements forward and that that has been shared and expressed with and to you by the members. Sorry, Suda, when I did, when I did, you know, review the report again, uh, which is on the CDC website, you know, it was a real opportunity to look at it through a lens of, um, you know, where are the disconnects and, you know, how we can be part of um, communicating to society about those disconnects and what opportunities there are to, you know, write our ECE story. So instead of falling back on 
um, you know, are we undervalued or et cetera, we can actually take those pieces in the report that say the opposite. Um, and we can be part of that fueling of, as Emily and I always say, like rewrite our story, right? Like, like, hi, I'm Sue. I'm an early childhood educator. This is my profession. This is my career, you know, using these words, right? And how we can be part of whatever gaps this report is finding as well as positives, how we can all take that up collectively and it can fuel us forward with different initiatives. Again, really highlighting the word collectively, you know, how we take our story forward. And Emily, as you began by saying that early childhood educators have had and are sharing um, really positive feedback and appreciation and valuing from the families they serve, and that our work, uh, we should no longer call a job, rather a profession, because I'm always remembering the phrase, sorry, I don't know who said it, yet stays with me forever. Early childhood is not rocket science. It's way harder. I think people don't actually understand the depth and the complexity of the work on a day-to-day basis with the children. So we could go on for another hour about that one. Um, what ECEBC programs would you like to highlight at this time? You've likely mentioned some of them. Mm-hmm. However, if you wanted, again, just to expand or elaborate a little bit. Uh, sure. It feels like there's so many we could talk about now. It's yeah. such an exciting time for us at ECEBC. Um, but there are some key highlights for sure. So um, many of you will know that we've just released the new ECEBC Code of Ethics. Uh, so we did receive some government funding and we're able to update update the code. And that also is online. Um, but with that being said, like the, the code is just so connected to where we are as a profession today, it, it was take it was a real journey, and it was a beautiful process that involved Indigenous partners and diverse communities, including students and the early childhood community in BC, academics, and even uh, we had people at a national at a national level come in and support that work. And we feel that we've really captured the language and the understanding of where we are today, but it will also help us move into the future. So that. That was, I think, one of our biggest accomplishments this year to bring to have this uh, published and out to the sector itself. Additionally, um, um, many I think we mentioned the bursary program already. Uh, so since we started this new initiative with uh, with the BC government, we have administered over nine thousand. Uh, student workforce bursaries from more than 25 diverse communities out out there. All provincial health regions have been represented by students. Uh, The average bursary amount is funded is around 2,500. The average number of students submitting application in the first hour alone of the bursary when it opens is 650. So within the first hour. So we get close to 1,500 applications plus over that time. So um, we're really excited to say that we've been able to distribute that many bursaries over this time and hope to continue to, to do that. And, um, and you know, it, it covers students from taking one course in our um, basic certificate programs uh, all the way to the bachelors of ECE at Capilano University. So that's uh, really exciting. And I'll 
let Sue finish off with some of the other key things we're doing. Well, as you can imagine, you know, this was really hard for us because we want to highlight everything because there's just so many cool things going on. Um, I just want to say with the bursary program, I was honored to be on an information session last night that ECBC teams run. And I was there as a learner and it was amazing to see the amount of students um, and people already in the workforce joining the call to learn how to fill out an application and what's required. And, you know, all of this, of course, before the due date. So we're trying to set everybody up for success um, and just just move those bursaries out the door as, as fast as we can within, within the government parameters. I also wanted to say, so this one's really exciting for Emily and I, um, ACBC has hired a pedagogista. So um, I think it's one of the only um, pedagogistas in BC that is actually working with an agency. So this pedagogista is there to really challenge us as a staff team and a board uh, to push us to look at our language, uh, to look through different lenses. Um, it's just the beginning, but uh, Nancy is being woven through all of our programs and discussions. And the goal is to really challenge our way of thinking and our operating. Uh, and through these discussions, you know, we're just journeying into different unknown times, which um, Nancy is helping us lead us through as an organization. And we really commit to uh -huh. walking the talk, so to speak. Um, you know, we use the code of ethics in our daily conversations as well. And we use the ELF framework and our Indigenous partners guide us. You know, we are really trying to weave through these lenses in everything we do. And we're trying to do better as, as an organization. And Nancy, as our pedagogista, is just one example of that. Um, I, I mean, I guess I could just very quickly, one more that just sort of came to... Um, to our minds when Emily and I were chatting is um, we're really excited to have a partnership with TRU, uh, the university up in um, Kamloops to expand the peer mentoring project. And so that's sort of unfolding as, as we speak and we're talking about news releases, et cetera, but we did get permission that we could mention it <laughs> on this podcast. So the peer mentoring project is um, expanding and, and coming out to BC in a more fulsome way. Um, the learning outside together training is coming and, you know, all of our beautiful partnerships with West Coast and the hub and different trainings. So we're just so honored to be able to just highlight a few of them. And, and we hope the listeners are as excited as we are. Wow. On the go, I'm just thinking, you know, the new code of ethics, which I was delighted to receive. And Emily, as you spoke about all the interweaving of Indigenous community students, academics, even at the national level, and that it would never remain static, yet be evolving. The bursary numbers over the top. Um, uh, the hiring actually at ECEBC of the pedagogista um, to challenge some of current ways of thinking and ways that we want to move to rethinking and reimagining. And then uh, the peer mentoring program with TRU. And I'm sure that's just a tiny portion of all you would love to share with us. Um, Coming to the last of the question, what about a little sneak peek at some ECEBC future initiatives that you could share? Not that they would be spoiler alerts, but over to you. Oh, this is enough. There, 
<laughs> Thanks, Gita. Um, so we at ECBC were really looking to the future, particularly moving with them into uh, as childcare moves into the Ministry of Education to ensure that all our um, early childhood educators' voices are heard, because we know that that um, if it isn't our voices that talk about the work we do, that define who we are. Um, it will be somebody else that does it for us. So we are looking for initiatives. We are looking to grow the capacity of, of our professional body so that we can journey together um, and be a supportive organizations to be the voices in each of their own communities. And that's one of our biggest um, pieces of work that we're looking at right now. How do we build that? How do we uplift um, our professional body to be the voice? Um, and so we look at our mission and our collective values and definitely want to go deeper with our Indigenous friends and other partners that guide us because we do take um, whatever our members and what the community is telling us and bring it forward, forward to decision makers. And that being said, we need to have early childhood educators in their own communities, in their own regions also talking about this work and what is important and what we need to see so that our profession is uplifted um, because of the importance of what it really is. So beautifully said, uh, Emily, and I think, you know, for all of us, the move to the Ministry of Education is going to have probably some challenges yet. Um, really moving us in the right direction, uplifting the field as we journey together, and the importance of um, hearing the voices of early childhood educators through the province about their lived experiences. Thank you. Thank you. Um, last bit. Any final thoughts? Again, I'm sure we could have, uh, you know, loved having two or three hour workshop here. Um, however, challenging years and moving forward with lots of optimism and positivity. Uh, any final comments you might want to offer our listeners? It was great, pardon me, that you highlighted a number of things that people can find on the ECBC mm -hmm. website you know, to get a further expansion and understanding. Yes. Yeah, so, so definitely, Gita, like I, I have to just um, restate how, how, you know, it's not one person doing this work, it's multiple people and it is a collective voice. And I'm so thrilled to have Sue working so closely uh, with me over the last few months as I experienced my own cha personal challenges over the last year. And so, I, so I'm so thankful to have the team that I have at ECBC our, and our partners. But I think it's only fitting that I let uh, Sue close off because she has just become part, part of such a such a big part of the team. And, uh, and I just wanted her to have the last few words here because she just brings such a unique perspective. So on to you, Sue. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Oh, that was that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, you've made my Friday. Um, I guess when when we thought about these final thoughts, Gita, and your thought provoking questions, thank you with West Coast. Uh, we really wanted to recognize how challenging the last few years have been for children and families and educators in BC. And I guess we're just continually in awe of the strength and determination of the field. 
And we hope all who are listening um, will consider becoming a member of ECBC and sharing with us and, um, and teaching us and guiding us. And your voice and your input is really vital, especially at this point in history. And so we just, again, we want to journey collectively and we want to evolve together. Um, and we want to um, learn from the critiques. Um, those, those are important voices as well. And I guess um, the last thing that we can say, because Emily just really, she's led us beautifully with training and mindfulness with our partners and the team and the board is just taking on this tone that we're just honored to listen and learn and walk alongside our Indigenous partners and friends. And these relationships, they're really so central to our ongoing commitments to truth and reconciliation. And they guide us as we try to embed actions toward decolonization within our thinking and programs and the initiatives at ECBC. And so we just um, have to say a heartfelt thank you to all early childhood educators, um, our Indigenous friends and other partners and um, all children and families and community um, we've, we've felt the hardships with you and, um, we're honored to, to just walk alongside you. We thank you so much for acknowledging the challenging years that we have experienced, uh, yet moving forward as team, as partners with strength and solidarity. And I'm feeling as I kind of Interwine, intertwine everything we've learned from you today. You've so wonderfully blended what I call the four P's, the personal, the professional, the public, and the political. And that ECBC just serves us in such an outstanding way in that regard. All the best going forward. And we thank you, thank you for your time with us today. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Gita. We can't wait for episode number two. Thanks, everyone.